A good near Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul as I prepare this Arab Shabbos drush, basking in the glow of Rosh Chodesh, the new month of Nisan. The reason why the month is called Nisan, it comes from the word Nisim, miracles. And whenever we end a word with the Nun Sofis ending, it implies continuous miracles. So as we were happy the entire month of Ador, Mishinichnas Ador Marvin Besimcha, and as when we were asked, how you know what's how do you feel or what's what's new? How are things going? We said in the month of Nisan with happiness. It doesn't mean that okay, in the month of Adar we're happy. It doesn't mean now in the month of Nisan we don't have to be happy anymore. If anything, we've been so happy for a month in Adar, and now we're coming to a month where it's called Nisan. It's a miraculous month, not a month that miracles happened in the past only. Not a month where miracles will only happen when the redemption will happen in Nisan in the future. It's a month that every year we can experience different miracles. And many are saying, I don't know of any miracles that I experienced in the month of Nisan. And the answer is, it's a cumulative effect. If you want the miracle to happen, you just don't say one day I want a miracle to happen. You start from today, which is Rosh Chodesh, and every day you work on that. And as we work on that, certain miracles that only Hashem can help can occur with us. There's a famous question that many of the commentaries ask on the Haggadah. The Haggadah, as we, we're about, we go, we have finished with the four sons, and we're about to get into the actual reading of the Magid part of the Haggadah. We start off with the paragraph, Yocho Merosh Chodesh. I might think that we start talking about, we can accomplish the Haggadah reading on Rosh Chodesh. Let's start it on Rosh Chodesh. And then they go through an analysis of the original text of the Torah and says, no, you can only fulfill the mitzvah on the night of the 15th of Nisan, which is the Seder night when we actually left Egypt. And of course, there's a, a, a question. Why in the world would we think we would start the Haggadah on Rosh Chodesh two weeks ahead of time? And some of the commentaries explain that just like we know, there is a halacha that we start preparing for a Yom Tov 30 days beforehand. We start learning the laws of the Yom Tov beforehand. And one of the laws of Pesach is and relate it to your child. So I would think just like we're preparing all the halachas, we should maybe start doing the mitzvah now as well. So then we answer, no, it's not, it has to be on this verse for reasons that I don't want to get into now. But here's a key point that Raboruch Epstein says in his commentary, the Boruch Shamar Haggadah, on this piece at the very end. He says, everything that we answered, why we don't fulfill the mitzvah of the Haggadah on the Seder night, that's only in regard to discharging one's obligation of relating the story because you cannot fulfill the obligation of recounting the story at any other time. But then he says, I'll say it in Hebrew, of all the Indian Rishus, but if you want to make an option out of it, you could tell the story whenever you want. You're not forbidden from elaborating on the story. 
but you want to fulfill the mitzvah as it was commanded, the mitzvah as it commanded it on the Seder night, then you must tell the whole story. But if you want to elaborate, you can at any time. So which means that it's not a bad idea to pick up on this option and start, you know, telling over the story now. Certainly it makes sense. Why? Because you're going to wait for one night to get the job done. You've got to prepare to this. There's a lot to be said about this, but it's a great opportunity. And I think this is, this is for the ones who are looking for the miracle. The miracle will happen. God doesn't have to give you any more miracles. But if you want a miracle, how about start saying the Haggadah now? I don't mean take out Haggadah and read it. You can. You could study it. Certainly start preparing. But you have to think about what the Haggadah is all about. And we have to get our mindset prepared. Just like there's the month of Elul is before Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And you just don't jump into Rosh Hashanah without any preparation. You got to jump into Pesach with preparation. And I know many of us are saying, well, there is all kinds of preparation. And what is that preparation? Well, we know leading up to Pesach, Jews everywhere scramble around utilize all their energy to thoroughly clean their possessions, whether they have chametz or have entered there or not. You drive to wash and vacuum uh, the car, etc. We try to clean up things even that are not necessarily halachically mandated. We go way overboard. And the question is, where did this custom originate from? The, the law is, we do bedikas chametz on Erev Pesach. But where's all this... Uh, 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 stress, nu- uh, uh, neuroses almost, over chametz in the house when it's not really the halach, it's become a minog. Well, they tell the story about the first Bubba Varebbe who visited the home of a wealthy follower, a Bubba Varechaset, to solicit a donation for his base medrash. It was before Pesach, and the Rebbe sensed too much calm in the house. Although there were servants and maids everywhere, the home was lacking the feeling that is felt in every Jewish home before Yontif. And the wealthy philanthropist explains to the Rebbe that he owned a special Pesach house where he and his family lived only during the eight days of Pesach. He said, that way we don't have to go crazy cleaning the mansion. We sell the chametz in this house and move into a separate mansion and experience Yontif there with a minimum amount of aggravation. The Rebbe disapproved. And he said, my grandfather, the holy Divrei Chaim of Tzans, would say that the mitzvah is not to have a clean chametz-free home. Rather, the mitzvah is to rid the chametz from your home. As the Pesach says, Tashpishu soor mi botechem, rid chametz from the home. And therefore, the great tzaddikim cherished the effort that is brought about by this mitzvah of cleaning the house. They saw the sweat that was brought on by the toil to destroy chametz. That sweat they viewed it as purifying waters. Now again, I'm not going to I'm not criticizing people who go away for Pesach. You can certainly go away for Pesach, and that's not a problem. But there has to be a certain amount of effort, no matter what the situation is an effort that has to be brought about, a certain toil, a certain sweat that has to preface 
celebrating Pesach. And when that happens, that's where the miracles begin to happen. Now, we understand that the connection between all the effort we make in checking for Chametz, which starts earlier, and we know that Chametz represents the Yetzirah, it is the yeast in the dough, the arrogance. Chametz represents immorality, and we try to get rid of that. We go through a spiritual cleansing in so many ways. And now, if you want to get rid of something like that, you got to make a lot of effort. But then again, if you're if you're going away, I don't have to make any of that effort. So, but then, how are you getting rid of the HR? You may have you may have gotten out of halachically removing the the, the chametz. That's fine. But how do you get a, a, a way of because you know actively getting rid of the Yetzirah? And what kind of miracles can happen? Let me share with you a well-known story of uh, the night of Bedikas Chametz from Rav Shimshin Pincus of blessed memory who passed away over 20 years ago. He was a bacher in a bacher's dira in Geula. And what happens is the following. He was in a dira. We know Bachrim, you know, make a mess, whatever. And unlike, and unlike his roommates, they had all returned to America for Yontif. Shimshin was in the empty dira alone for Yontif. So he set out to do the bedik in the apartment on his own. And again, all the other Bachrim, they left. There's a big mess. And he really works hard. And he was almost exhausted trying to fulfill the mitzvah. Then he finally sat down, well past midnight, drained but content. Then he says, suddenly, I jumped up when I remembered the attic. There's no one to check the attic. Now the building had a common roof space that was used by various neighbors. And Reb Shimshin knew that none of the other neighbors would see to the task. And he wondered if perhaps he was exempt since he wasn't the sole resident. But then he recalled the explicit words of the Shulchan Aruch that one must check an attic. And he said this was the work of the Yetzirah who was trying to dissuade him. So he climbed the rickety ladder to the roof and the question was growing stronger and stronger with each step. Why am I obligated if there are many renters here? But he ignored his exhaustion, pushed through. But when he turned on the light to the attic, he was shocked. It appeared that the attic hadn't been cleaned in years. The walls were covered in dust and grime, making the bedika impossible. Rav Shimshin, what did he do? He headed back down, returned with a pail of water. He got to work removing the collected grime of several years. The doubts continued throughout the long night. The HR tried to convince the Bachelet working beyond his capabilities when he wasn't even obligated. The Yetzirah said, what kind of Seder would you have if you're sick with fatigue? But Shimshin persevered and dawn was coming while he was still clutching the candle upstairs. An air of Pesach was a busy day and Shimshin barely had time to catch his breath before the Seder and he fought to keep his eyes open during Kiddush. He was totally exhausted. He hadn't slept in over 24 hours. But he felt a spark within and he relates, he said, I suddenly experienced a new sweetness in the mitzvahs as if a bright light was shining within me. 
I tasted a new flavor in each word of Magid and in the matzah. I felt a closeness to Hashem that I've never before experienced. And that intensely elevated feeling, he says, remained with him through the entire night of Pesach into Cholamoid. And he was waiting for that feeling to leave as suddenly as it had come, but it remained with him through the second part of Yom Tov as well. And they say, the rest is history. And he told, when he told over the story, he said, if I've accomplished anything in my life, it's in the mirror of this rabbinic mitzvah that I performed with such sacrifice that night. Now, obviously, we understand what kind of tzaddik it was. But he wouldn't tell all the story just to gloat. It wasn't to celebrate his own accomplishments, but he felt it was relevant. He wanted his listeners to appreciate the profound spiritual significance of the act that he did. And obviously the connection between cleaning a home and cleaning a soul. And Rapinkas wanted his audience to appreciate the potential of the mitzvah not the inconvenience, but a tremendous opportunity. And it's so interesting that years, years later, he tragically returned that gift of his divine life on the same day he received it as Yinebuch was killed in a car accident on the evening of Bedikas Chamitz. Why am I telling you this story? is that we have to learn to appreciate and approach this season with a profound awareness of the chances we have for miracles to happen to us and that we can become more elevated and more spiritually sensitive individuals. And the Val Rokeach, one of the early authors, says there's a much deeper dimension to Bedikas Chameis. And he says that every bit of exertion we do for this mitzvah creates a malach in Shemayim. And the question is, what's so unique about the burning of the chametz that every single component of the cleansing creates a malach? And perhaps we can relate a story that was told over by Rav Shlomo Wolbi, he said a following story. Reb Lev Baxt was one of the Bachrim who was studying in Shanghai with the Mir Yeshiva, and he became a famous Rosh Yeshiva in Detroit. And when he was in Detroit, he, he encountered a prominent Rebbe, a Hasidish Rebbe, who asked Reb Lev about his great Rebbe, Rebbe Rucham Levovitz. So Reb Lev discussed Rebbe Rucham, the Mashkiach's saintly ways and messages, and the Rebbe nodded very appreciatively. Then Rav Bax shared a shmooze, a speech from his Rebbe about the depth and potency of evil which lurks within man, ready to entrap him. One of those real litvish shmooze. And after the shmooze, he heard the shmooze, the Hasidish Rebbe said, the mashkiach was certainly a tzaddik, but our way is so different than that of the Musar personalities. Why should we spend so much time engaged with sin, the darker side of man's behavior, the Yetzirah, where there's jealousy, desire, and pettiness? Musr is obsessed with the bad. Hasidim, on the other hand, we prefer to focus on the grandeur and greatness of man, his abilities, his potential, 
rather than studying and probing his negative character traits. We try to raise the level of our followers by speaking of divinity and lofty spiritual matters and automatically the small frailties that affect humans are overcome and fall away. So why not speak about the royal and divine rather than the stains and the blemishes? Rebbe took the Rebbe's words to heart. He wanted to have a good answer. So when he met with another great mashkiach, Rav Chaska Levenstein, he asked him what he should answer the Rebbe. And Rav Chaskel said, tell him about Sassoon's house. What's that? Well, Sassoon was a wealthy Sephardic merchant who had settled in Shanghai, China, where he purchased a beautiful flat, a vacant plot of land. He built an amazing house that was gorgeous, a mansion, impressive. But within a short time, he sensed that something wasn't right. The structure seemed to be sinking he called the construction crew who worked to set the beautiful building up. Everything seemed okay for a while. But then the house again began to sink and Sassoon called in a team of engineers. And the exploration turned up some history. Years earlier, the municipality of Shanghai had transferred all its waste to a central location which became a dumping ground for the garbage of the locals. In time, the city found another location, decided to sell the large piece of empty land, which was prime real estate, and they covered the tract with piles of sand, and the attractive parcel was soon snapped up, and Sassoon was the buyer. <laughs> but the unfortunate industrialist was stuck with a beautiful home on inferior ground, and his palace was now virtually useless. And Rav Chatzkel was explaining Rabbi Yeruchim's Musser with this story which means a palace of Amuna cannot be erected on a garbage dump. Only when a person successfully purges his heart is he ready to build. And that's what the Badikas Chometz is all about. Now, we're not saying we should only be in a glum mood, but we have to realize if you want great things in life, we have to find a way to get rid of potential foundations that are not very good for us. And therefore, we have to realize this month is we're trying to prepare the foundation for the great miracles that are going to happen. And the question is, so what am I leaving you with? A Litvish approach to Pesach? And what's going to happen? Everyone's going to become neurotic about things. Oh, yeah, we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of that. All these things. But you got to realize a very important point. Yes, there's a lot of pressure with cleaning and getting ready for Pesach. It's not just cleaning the chametz; it's arranging things, it's buying food. We know all the stress. But you have to realize it's an opportunity for great mitzvahs or chasson, great averus. And what does it all hinge on? On one thing, the Shalom HaKadosh tells you. It's all about this mitzvah of the beer chametz that is in the entire month of Pesach. Because he says something interesting, from the day after Purim, every bite of bread we eat, every bagel we eat, can be fulfilling a mitzvah if we just have the kavana. Not just to chew and eat, but realize when I'm eating a bagel, I'm getting rid of some chametz. And they bring in the name of the rokeach, who the Vilna Gon testified he had Ruach HaKodesh, 
as we said already, that every little cleaning creates these malachim, as we mentioned earlier. A person comes to his house like Shimshim Pinkish, doesn't have the strength to clean his house. But you got to realize what's the benefit of it. And the Benish Chai says that every mitzvah we do with Simcha is worth so much more than one done without Simcha. And therefore we have to realize Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Simcha. When the month of Adar begins Simcha, but we've got a link because 30 days before Pesach, we get ready to Pesach and it's in the month of Adar, which is the month of Simcha. And I'm thinking about Pesach and we have to eat the Simcha because the opportunities are unbelievable to show how much you love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get rid of any little vestige of chametz, then you show that the mitzvahs of Hashem are worth a lot of money. To give a marshal, imagine if you are carrying $100,000 in your pocket and you have to deposit it somewhere. How often are you going to be checking your pocket? How about if it's a million dollars? How about if it's a hundred million dollars? How often would you check your pocket? And remember, the mitzvah of Pesach is worth more than that. So how much would we be checking this? And therefore, to realize that there is a simcha in getting rid of the Sahara. It doesn't have to be gloom and doom. We know there's an adversary. The adversary wants us to eat real chametz, but the real, real chametz isn't that. It's when you're getting ready to clean things. When you're asking your children to help, to help, and or you need your children to help go to the store and buy things, and all these things, and we know what happens. There's a great tension, and not everything goes the way you want, and the question is, will the Yetzirah get you to be angry, to get you to be depressed? Then there's the mitzvah to eat the chametz. Consume it. Consume the chametz and say, I will not get upset. I will not get depressed. And that's also the mitzvah of Bedikas Chametz before the Seder. And we have to realize, you can say, but Hashem, why are you making it so hard? Why are things going so wrong? And we can answer with a little bit of a joke, so to speak. They tell a story of a pair of shoes who had a complaint and took a safer Torah to a Din Torah, to a Jewish court. And the shoes had the following accusation and complaint. He says, me, the shoes, and that Sefer Torah, we came from the same stomach of our mother. We were twins. And obviously the mother was a cow or a bull. So how, and, and therefore, what's happening? Me, the leather that I am, everyone steps on me because I'm a shoe. While my twin brother, when he kisses him, he's a same Torah. <laughs> That's an amazing question. You got a great complaint, Mr. Shoe. We come from the same mother. How come everybody's stepping on me and everybody kisses him? So Rabbi Menachem Lang answers beautifully. He says, let's take a look. When we skin the animals, we have some skin, and the skin is very thick and very tough. So what do you do? You start uh, skinning it more, preparing it more. So when you start poking it around, it hurts. 
So what happens? The one skin says, I, I can't take the pain. Stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. I can't take the pain anymore. The other one says, okay, you want to you keep flailing me? Okay, I, I can take it. So the one that says, stop, stop, says, okay, we'll stop, we'll stop. Now what do you do with leather that doesn't want to become thin and very, so we use thick leather, and what do you use thick leather for shoes? You don't want to be hurt? Fine. You can't take the pain? Fine. We'll make shoes out of you. But the one who we kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it, making thinner and thinner and thinner, became a safer Torah. Unbelievable. A mitzvah that's done with pain is worth so much to Hashem. And especially if in the pain it's done with simcha, you've elevated it even greater. And this is the source of the miracles that can happen in this month. Many of us are going through issues in our lives and we say to ourselves, only a miracle can change things. That is true. But miracles happen to miraculous people. And therefore Hashem wants to see I know the thing you want, you can't change. Only I can. But I want to know what is it that you can change that I would like to see a change. And where for you, for you to do this personal thing would be very hard for you. But Hashem is saying, but it's important to me. Show me in this month, in this month of renewal, in this month where there's miracles. And there can be miracles for people who say, you know, learning, I'm not cut out for it. I can't learn more than five minutes. Maybe yes, maybe no, but have you tried? Have you tried to make extra effort? How about your midos? Can you change your midos? How about your overall demeanor? All these things, oh, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. But this is a month of miracles. So the fact that we're cleaning for Pesach, that's just one way of describing it. And yes, you have to clean your house. And if you're happy with that and you're cleaning it and then you're not getting upset and Hashem is saying, you know, you're, you're living miraculously. We all can't necessarily be on the level of Rav Shimshim Pincus. But of course, we're tired and we don't want to do, I'm tired, let's cut corners over here. In so many ways in life, we're tired, we want to cut corners. Hashem says, don't cut corners. This is the month we see the Jews were able to do this. They went beyond what they could do. And I went beyond for them. Mashiach is going to come. It's definitely going to come. Who is it going to come for? It's going to come for those who took advantage of Nisan. And therefore, although we're not going to have a Seder today, but we're getting ready for that Seder. We're ready for miracles to happen in our lives. A Kodesh Baruch who should bench us that we make every effort possible to enjoy this month as much as we enjoyed Adol. And again, it's mamish, unbelievable. The weather's getting warmer today, but Shabbos promises to be cold again. <laughs> promise to be cold again. To make the effort, to be besimcha. I wish us all this tremendous koach, tremendous bracha. It's the month of Nisan, the month of miracles. Hashem can and will do anything. 
if we tell Hashem that we can and will do anything that you want, especially in this month, it can go all the way from stress and tension and yelling and screaming and being upset and being complaining about the price of matzos and this and that. Or you can say, Baruch Hashem, there's so much opportunities to do the will of Hashem and I'm a simcha to do this. Hashem will reward us that eventually we will have our own personal redemption and Klal Yisrael will have a redemption that will happen in the month of Nisan. Bimheira v'yameinu. Amen. Thank you all for listening.